Our story from the gospel today is on everyone's favorite subject, evangelism. Jesus sends 70 of his followers out to the places that he plans to go himself. They are scouts, emissaries, signposts. They aren't armed. They aren't independent. They are lambs in a world of wolves. Evangelism is a word that I have not been quite able to reclaim for myself from my past evangelical circles. It's become synonymous with colonialism and has all the good feeling of a major guilt trip, doesn't it? It came from a better place originally. The word in the Greek is euangelion, which translates to good news, simply. And the arrival of Jesus was that. It is that. It is the message that at the heart of all life is a loving force, one that can take the pain and the brokenness, who will restore all things. By becoming one of us, God affirmed the worth and the dignity of every human being. That is good news. But as I at first understood it, the news that I was supposed to spread wasn't very good at all. As I was taught, everyone in the world, everyone, was actually destined for an eternity of suffering. The only way to be saved from this was by acknowledging your total depravity and confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus was Lord. And if you did not believe in Christ, whatever that meant, you would be burned in an everlasting fire. So there were countless theological and scriptural reasons that I left that form of Christianity, some of which will probably be subject for a sermon another day. But there was one reason that was purely experiential, I came to realize that no one truly believed in eternal torture. It was a thought exercise, really. Just one person that you love, one person, to be roasted over an open flame, not just in the agony of a moment, but forever. If you really believed that this was someone's fate, it would drive you insane with grief and fear, would it not? And then to extrapolate these feelings to everyone who ever fell outside of the boundaries of a certain kind of Christianity, the only moral response I could think to this, to this kind of Pending everlasting torture would be ceasing whatever you were doing in order to dedicate your life to stopping it, to spend your life in sackcloth and ashes and agonized weeping. The only sort of folks I saw making a spectacle of their lives by warning loudly and publicly on street corners about the dangers of eternal damnation seemed to be taking a sort of pleasure in it, actually delighting that the people whose lives repulsed them would someday pay. 
But for every so-called normal evangelical I knew, evangelism just meant telling someone to come to church. It's so cool. The music is great. Free coffee. Everyone's so friendly here. So, no one believed it. Not in any thorough way. Evangelism meant using backhanded methods of eventually telling others that God was sincerely disappointed in them and that the ultimate fate of nearly all of mankind was to burn in his displeasure. It was the opposite of its meaning. It was spreading bad news. I haven't quite recovered the word evangelism for myself. I'm musing on this because of what I've been experiencing as a Christian these past few weeks. I move through this world as a particularly visible one, getting into a job like this. The uniform I wear to work just begs the question. But in times like we're living in, where the strain of Christianity that I left seems to be so visibly influencing major decisions, not just for individuals, but for the future of our planet, I feel ashamed of it. To be clear, I'm never ashamed of the gospel. I am never ashamed of devoting my life to the message of Christ. I believe with all my heart that the word of God in Christ is nothing less than the salvation and reconciliation of all things. But I am ashamed of the many ways humans twist that good news to expedite political control and advantage, the way the gospel is being wielded as a tool of oppression. As I, and probably you, have witnessed in the past few weeks this outrage that is unfolding I see their fingers pointed at Christianity in blame, and they're not wrong. Jesus was speaking in our gospel at the beginning of a movement. Seventy of his followers sent out to prepare the way. Here we are, 2,000 years later, facing a rapid decline in that same movement. As you go out two by two, there will not be one person you meet who does not have a tale of woe about what they have seen and experienced of Christ's church in the world. When you proclaim peace on behalf of the church, I do not think it will often be returned to you. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Did you know that Episcopalians make up less than one-half of one percent of the population of the United States? You know, I don't think the Episcopal Church is for everyone, actually. I think denominations are fine, probably necessary, but I also think 
there might be more of us out there than one half of one percent. That our gospel here is a hidden gift to a world increasingly disillusioned with what Christians actually believe. In our baptism, we make vows to seek and serve Christ in all persons, no exception. We promise to respect the dignity of every human being because we see Christ in them. That is the foundation of evangelism for us. God is in that neighbor. You have vowed to find him in them. Evangelism doesn't have to be all that complicated either. The nice folks from St. Luke's in Hot Springs, Arkansas, who kept inviting me for, church, for breakfast after church, did not imagine for a moment that they were changing my life by doing so. But they were. As you leave this place today, just know that you are bearing a gift. You carry a weight of glory with you. Give it away. Shine it out, you lambs in the midst of a world of wolves. Have we ever lived in a time where the world has been in such need of visible reminders of your good news?